0: Amen. Good morning, Evangel. It's a good day. Yes. Say it with me. It's a good day. That was lame. One, two, three. There we go. Guys, I was just laughing as Pastor Rob explained about the jaywalking and that you will be ticketed and stuff. This isn't in my notes, but I'm just going to say it and hope I don't regret it later. But you know, there's often a common myth out there or a little narrative that, you know, oh, those young people, they're the ones breaking the rules. Can I just tell you? I have stood out on that sidewalk week after week, not today, but most weeks I'm out there telling people, "Listen, hey, could you cross at the stop sign and stuff?" Not once have I had a person under 30 give me a hard time. It's the older generation. Going, I'll cross where I want to, Pastor Patty. <laughs> I go okay, right? So this is just a little. It's okay, you're allowed to laugh. Okay, today is going to be a little bit different. Okay, and so um, those of you I, I saw, I saw there were a bunch of hands up of people that were here for the first time. You're actually at an, at an advantage if you're here for the first time because you're not going to know anything's different. Okay. Sometimes I like to change things up in a church service and I think it's, it's helpful to do it. And, and I've had people in the past, um, say, you know, well, you can't just change things up because it's hard for the new people. They won't know what's going on. But if you ask the new people, they go, I didn't know anything that was going on. I didn't, it's all weird. And so, and so it's for the ones that are, the ones that get anxious are the ones that tend to be here all the time. So I want you to take a deep breath. Okay. Calm your nerves. In, out. Okay. And, and just go, it's going to be okay. We're going to do things a little bit differently and just, just say it with me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be, I know you're doubtful. Okay. Some of you are looking around right now. You're going, there's tables in places and there's a row of chairs missing. And she's just, we didn't sing as long as we usually do. And I don't know what's going on. And some of you are a little bit stressed about it, but I'm telling you, I promise you it's going to be okay. 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 Turn to the person beside you and say, it's going to be okay. Okay. All right. Um, Because sometimes Sunday mornings can feel a little bit packed in you got a lot you got to fit in on a Sunday morning you got to, you got to allow just enough time for for the music and for worship you got to allow just enough time for for prayer and for the offering and there's always a whole bunch of announcements that we're supposed to make to let people know what's going on and you got to allow enough time for um, speaking from God's word and and just looking at God's word and all of that and you have to do it in such a way that you um can make sure that first-timers have a good experience so you've allowed enough time to explain the things that are going on and you have to fit all of these these things in and we still have to get you out on time. Okay. And which can be a little stressful sometimes for us. We actually time how long our announcements are sometimes so that we don't irritate people by not getting them out on time. And I know that on time doesn't matter to some of you because some of you have emailed and told me, I don't care about on time, pastor. I'm just happy to be in church. God bless you. Not everyone feels the same way as you do. And so we really try to honor the fact that there's a time schedule and there's a, there's a length of time that you're allowed to be here. And I appreciate the grace that you give me to sometimes go over time when that's necessary. Today's not one of those days, but, but this is what we're trying to do. But how many know that every now and then it's good on a Sunday morning to just slow down a little bit? Anyone? Right? And I don't know if you noticed, but even our worship was just a little bit more, a little bit more laid back today. A little bit more space... Um, just to breathe in it and to, and to uh, find God and connect with God on your own. And, and we just wanted to take this the service today and slow it down just a little bit. And because the point of gathering on Sundays is not to come together, pack in as much as we can, as fast as we can, and then go, check, did that, and then go on with our, well, I got grocery shopping now, and on we go from that. That's not actually the point. The point of gathering together on Sunday mornings is to gather together as followers of Jesus. Okay, say together with me. Together. Okay, do it again. Together. It's together, together as followers of Jesus. And so we're going to take some time for that today. and We're going to do it in two different ways. And I'm just prepping you all along so that by the time we get there, everybody's good, okay? We're going we're gonna to do that togetherness in two different ways today. And one is when we get to communion, we're going to emphasize, we're going to do it a little bit different. It's this sacred moment of remembering Jesus' death. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're here, you're welcome to participate. Doesn't matter if you're a member, but we're going to do that together. Say that with me together, okay? And it's, it's going to be okay. And then the second thing that we're doing to sort of emphasize the togetherness is we're going to gather together and we're going to go have lunch together and eat 3,000 hot dogs at the lighthouse. <laughs> and you go, that's not very spiritual. The early church ate together all the time, actually. The first church in Acts ate together. They shared meals together. And we're, we're, we've done it once and, and we're going to do it again. And we may do it a little bit more in the future. And just have stay for lunch Sundays every now and then to just say, hey, why don't you stay for lunch? And hang around together It's part of the You know the inside out church thing We've been talking about Do good What's the second part? love each other. It's part of the love each other part of Inside Out Church. Do good, love each other, reveal Jesus. We love each other when we actually just hang out together and get to know each other a little bit. So, so that's all going to happen today. So let's look at scripture first. We're going to look at the scripture in Mark chapter 14. It's in your Mark It Up books. If you have those books still, um, then you're welcome to. And and we've been in Mark chapter 14 for a good while now because it, there's a lot in there. There's just a lot. And so we wanted to break it down and make sure that um, we managed to cover most of the stuff that's in there. And so we're going to go back there today and and the context of Mark 14 here is still still that Thursday night. That that last night before Jesus crucifixion. Okay? So it's the Thursday night the Passover night and and it 's the night when Jesus is betrayed we've talked about that already a couple weeks ago about Judas and the betrayal we talked about the illegal trial and we've talked about all this is all the same night it's the night before he 's going to be crucified and it's it's what we remember this is the night that we remember when we take communion together and when when we get to that point so Jesus has been warning the disciples of what's going to happen. He's been telling them ahead of time that, that, that this is going to happen. It's going to be difficult. They're going to have a hard time. And he's been warning them about all that. So we're, we're backtracking a little bit from last week because this time we're going through Mark 14 and we're following the thread of, of Peter's story. You know how sometimes in a story there's several threads and we've kind of hit several of them in Mark 14. This time we're doing um, Peter's Peter's actions and Peter's response when Jesus has been warning them. So Mark chapter 14, we start at verse 27. It says, and Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. You will all fall away. And then you go to verse 29 and it says, Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. But he said, Peter said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Now, I want to point out a couple of things here in this scripture that we've looked at, and then we'll go back to it and read a little bit more. But there's two things I want to point out to you of what it says. The first one is Peter's statement, even though they all fall away, okay? He said, even if they all fall away, I will not. That's kind of a loaded statement. Anybody notice that's a little bit, it's a little bit loaded. There's a little bit of baggage there, a little bit of a slam on the they over there. Peter's standing there and Jesus is saying, guys, it's going to be hard. There's a hard time coming. You're all going to fall away. And he goes, no, even if they fall away, I'm not right? And so he, I I can't imagine that when he said that, that that's at all helpful for any of the relationships in that moment. I, I can't, I can't imagine that the rest of the disciples were thrilled at all that that's what he said, because it's, it's Peter going, I'm better than them. I'm a little bit superior than to them, Jesus. You know, they're just a little bit, they're struggling, but, but I, I got it together right and 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 he's he's very confident that they might fail won't even be surprised if they fail but he he has this almost amusing level of unself awareness of his own weaknesses. you ever met somebody that's completely oblivious to their own weaknesses, right? Maybe don't raise your hand if they're sitting beside you. But this is the kind of place that he's in. He's totally aware of all of their weaknesses. And him, he's like, no, I, I'm good. I got, I got no weaknesses. I got it all together. And, so, and then you can just imagine the disciples over here reacting, going, well, thank you very much. As Peter goes, well, they probably will fail, but I'm good. They're like, excuse me. We're right here, you know? And there's probably some eye rolling and probably some frustration and probably some muttering. Why does Peter always have to be like that? It's always all about the drama. He thinks he's better than all of us. And they're all offended. And, and they're, they're just upset because he's not thinking through how his words are going to affect everyone else. So I just, I just want you to notice that because that's going to matter later. Even though they all fall away, that's going to matter, okay? The second thing I want you to notice is they all said the same thing. <laughs> they all said the same. Jesus said, you're all going to fall away, and Peter goes, no, they probably will, but I won't. But they all said that they would stay with Jesus. And usually when you talk about this story in scripture, Peter takes a monumental beating in the scripture or in the story when we talk about it because we all go, look how badly Peter failed. Look at how badly he failed. He bombed so badly, and he did fail. And he did fail more loudly than the rest of them did. And he failed more obviously than the rest of them did. But they all said that they wouldn't run away. And they all failed. So I just want you to notice that, those two statements. Okay, you got that? Let's keep going. Verse, verse 53. And they led Jesus to the high priest. And all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. I mean, what did he think he was going to do? I don't know. What, what did Peter think that he was going to do when he went along and, and followed in and then sits in the courtyard of the high priest, which is not exactly safe territory. He's surrounded by guards. Is he is he thinking some sort of mission impossible thing? He's going to come up with a plan and strategy. He's going to save the day, be the hero. I don't know. Or is he just going, well, we got to at least know where they took Jesus to. I'm going to follow along to me. Maybe he's just shell-shocked, and he's just thunderstruck, doesn't know what to do, and so he's just there. So he, he's probably in shock. So verse... is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you're a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I don't know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. It's a bad moment for him. That, that realization, that, that moment when he, he's failed, he did exactly what he said he wasn't going to do. And it's, and it's over. And We've talked about this story before. If you were here last spring, we talked about this story a little bit more in depth. And, and we talked about how uh, after the death of Jesus and then the resurrection of Jesus, then Jesus spent time with Peter. And, and there's this eventual um, forgiveness. And there's this restoration for Peter. And there's this, this moment where Jesus just assures Peter, you still belong. You're still part of things. And so we we all know that that's going to be the end of the story. But at this moment in Peter's life, this late Thursday night in the middle of the night, somewhere between Thursday and Friday, all he knows is he's failed and it's over he doesn't know that anything else is coming. He doesn't know that Jesus is going to rise from the dead. He doesn't know there's going to be an early church that's going to be born, and he's going to be one of the apostles in it. He doesn't know he's going to be somebody that that starts writing letters that are preserved, and 2,000 years later, we're reading them here in church. He doesn't know any of that stuff. All he knows is, is Jesus said he was going to deny him. Peter said They might, but I certainly won't. And then he did and failed and bombed and is totally over. And he's alone. He's not with Jesus. He's not with the other disciples. He's just sitting by himself with with guards around him, people that are enemies around him. And, And it's this very, very lonely moment for him. It's this very humiliating moment for him because he's failed so badly and everyone's going to know. And it's this very, very painful moment for him. And it's just so awful that this, this rugged, manly, strong, blustering fisherman just breaks down and weeps. This is really, is a dark moment. And, and I was caught this week... Um, as I looked over this story, I was caught this week by a thought that sort of hit me in the story. And sometimes when we look at the stories in Scripture and we look at Scripture, we really go for the, the main points that are clearly out there. And sometimes there's little smaller things in there that we just find that you notice. And I, it's one of those smaller things that caught me this week. And it's, it's not the main thought. And so I don't want to push it too far, but I do want to just explore it a little bit this morning. Because when I was looking over this whole thing and looking at Peter and how he acted, they they might fall away, but I won't. And then he does and all that. I couldn't help but notice that, that Peter, don't, don't take this wrong, but Peter would have made a really good North American in today's culture. Because... You know, he's all, he's all got it together and he's off on his own and he's just got this rugged individualism going, I don't need anybody else. I don't need help from anyone else. I'm a strong North American individual. He's determined to be the hero. If they were given out capes somewhere, he would have thrown it on because he thinks he's Superman. And he's just aiming to be, even if they all fall away, I will still be here. I won't fail you, Jesus. And and, he, and he's got this, you know, jerks his thumb when he's talking about them. And he's got this great swagger when he's, I will never fail. And And he totally just disses the whole sense of community. He totally disrespects any sense of togetherness that he's supposed to have with the other disciples, any sense of needing anyone else, any sense of being connected with anyone. It just makes it all about him. And, and so then when he fails, he's alone. He's by himself. And, and it doesn't matter that for three years when Peter had been with Jesus, Jesus had been teaching in a way that emphasized togetherness. And that emphasized community. I mean, Jesus gathered with people. Jesus traveled with his disciples. Jesus' last prayer before he went to the cross was that his disciples would love each other. And we've talked about that a lot here. And he talked to them about how they should treat each other. Jesus valued the idea of a spiritual community. Even, even when he, he told that parable, remember about, about the 99 sheep and one wanders off and it's on his own and he, that one is so valuable and so he leaves the 99 to go get that one. But it's not just to get the one and just, well, now it's just that one, me and Jesus. That's not, it's to get the one and bring them back to the community, back to where the other 99 are. Help them feel like they belong. Help them have a connection and be part of something. Jesus really values spiritual community. And Peter seems to think that when push comes to shove, and the rubber hits the road, and all of those phrases, well, it's all about him. Community's fine till the crisis hits, and then, well, it's all about him. He's he's got this. And and I think that's a pretty good reflection, can I just say, of North American individualism. Um, And it occurred to me this week, for what it's worth, that if Peter had stuck with the disciples when they all, even when they they all ran. And even though they did run, so I'm being careful with this. But if Peter had stuck with the disciples, he, he might not have denied Christ. Because he wouldn't have been put in that position at all. He wouldn't have been there all by himself, backed into a corner in this dangerous spot. And, and I'm not sure we can push that point too far because it gets a little bit messy. But, but let me say it this way. If Peter had stuck with the other disciples then when he did fail, he wouldn't have been alone. He wouldn't have been all by himself when he failed if he had stuck with him and it's interesting to me to just note if you follow that story through after the resurrection when when Jesus spends it it seems that Peter needs just a little bit more reassurance and a little bit more help than the other disciples he he needs to be reassured just a little bit more of Jesus forgiveness so so when when Jesus is talking to Mary go tell the disciples and Peter make sure you include Peter and then later when they're walking along the beach and and Jesus takes Peter and says you know let's chat. And he goes, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, oh, totally. And he goes, no, do you love me? Yeah, I do. Do you love me? And Peter just breaks down because he's still carrying this condemnation, this failure within him, this God. And he knows how badly he bombed. And he knows that Jesus knows that he knows how badly he bombed. And Jesus knows it. And he needs Peter to acknowledge it so that he can reassure him and say, listen, you still have purpose. You still belong. All of those things. But I just find it interesting that Peter lives with that failure. And and, and Jesus seems to need to pour in a little more reassurance into him. The other disciples don't seem to need it as much, at least in the stories that we read. And maybe it was because they stuck together. Maybe maybe even as they all failed and they all ran away and were scared, but maybe because they were still together, maybe they reminded each other of what Jesus had said. And maybe one of them looked at the other, you know, on that horrible night and said, well, Jesus said it was going to go horribly wrong. I don't know how this is going to be fixed but and and you know Jesus taught us this and Jesus taught us that and the relationship together maybe helps them through that but Peter he's all by himself at this fire surrounded by enemies and all he's got is his own brain and you know when you failed and your brain just goes over it and over it and over it and is it just me over it and over it until you just start spiraling downward and if there's nobody else to help walk you out of it you just you just crash you know it's it's a dark place to be and i'm just suggesting that maybe i don't know but maybe it would have been a different story somehow if he had stayed with the others um not not because they were perfect they weren't they failed too <laughs> but because we need each other, and we're made that way. Because the way the church is supposed to work is like that. The church in general, God's church, is supposed to be a bunch of us together encouraging each other and loving each other and building each other up and doing life together, and serving each other, and reminding each other of what we believe, holding each other up in tough times, submitting to each other, hanging out together, serving Jesus together, remembering together. That's what the church is supposed to be. There's no frame of reference in scripture for just me and Jesus. It, that's a North American view of faith. <laughs> that's a, a Western world view of faith, a very individualistic view that says, well, it's just me and Jesus. I don't need them. There's no frame of reference for that in Scripture. None. It's, it's Jesus created the church. The church was God's plan all along, that sense of community. And I don't mean an institution, and I don't mean a particular denomination, and I definitely don't mean a building, but I mean a, a community, a togetherness. All of us together are supposed to together be a community that reveals to the world and helps the world see who Jesus is and who God is. And that is what Jesus uh, created. And each of us as individuals is valued, definitely. If you come here for any length of time, you will hear me say, how much God loves you and that you matter and you as an individual matters. That one sheep over there really matters. But the point is to bring that sheep back. The point is not to just have this individual faith that's just me and Jesus. It's, it's, it's not the main point. We're part of God's family and we're woven together in the community that Jesus created. It's, it's all the way through the story. And of course, it's not really a new thought here. Because we've been talking about it as an inside-out church where we do good, say it with me, love each other, and reveal Jesus. The good news is, is that later in his life, Peter got it. There was, he, he, he didn't keep repeating that, well, they might fail, but I'm good. None of that me and Jesus stuff. He didn't carry on with that. In fact, years later, he wrote letters when he was the Apostle Peter and the resurrection had happened and the early church had started. And he wrote these letters to the churches. And there's two of them in the New Testament. One's called First Peter and one's called Second Peter. Those are the letters that he wrote to churches. And, and there's a whole lot of language in there of, of we, of togetherness, of, of the sense of community. He's not, he's not separating himself off anymore. So, so here's some samples of things that he writes in those letters. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. And then he says in chapter 3, verse 8, All of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. love each other as brothers and sisters. Then he says, in chapter four, verse eight, "Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. In chapter four verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? Serve one another. And then he he writes to church leaders in chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. He says to church leaders, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you'll get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Don't lord over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good Example. And then in chapter 514, I think he wrote this specifically for Montreal in Quebec today because it fits. Greet each other with a kiss of love. How many know that's for here in Montreal and Quebec? Right. Kiss of love. I had to learn that when I moved here. We don't kiss in Ontario. And somewhere, somewhere along the way, when you read Peter's letters to the church, you see that Peter learned that the community of faith matters. So, deep breath. We're taking communion today together. Say that with me. Together. Say it again. Together. And it's going to be different, and it's going to be okay. Turn to the person beside you. Say, it's going to be okay. Okay? We're going to take communion today together. And the point of it is, of course, to remember that night when when Jesus was betrayed and to remember the next day when jesus was crucified to remember jesus death for us and it's always taken together as a church it's always taken in community except you know in exceptions when someone can't be part of the community but but we're taking a little extra time with it today and we're going to do it a little bit differently so so here's how it's going to go okay first of all you've already noticed there's stations all the way through the sanctuary there's three here there's Three halfway back. There's one at the back. There's one in the balcony, and there's one down in the Connect Cafe. If you're watching us being streamed, it's going to be at the counter in the Connect Cafe. And and one of our our leaders is going to be at each of those stations. So there's people that are assigned to those stations, and I'm going to ask them right now to get up and come and move to the station that you're at. It's our our elders or our lead team members or our staff, and they're each going to be at one of those stations. Okay, and and what I and, and they're gonna they're gonna at those stations, they're going to pour the juice for you just a little bit in the bottom of a cup for you so that you have it. And then what I want you to do is rather than each of us just taking it on our own as individuals or doing it all sitting in straight rows facing me and and I lead you through it, we're not going to do it that way. I actually want you today to, to, to take it with somebody else. And it can be one other person or it can be a small group. And I want you to look around and see if there's somebody that's a little bit left out that you need to include in your group. And if there's somebody that wants to be on their own and they're just really uncomfortable being part of a group, don't harass them okay? Let them be. It's okay. We're, we're creating safety here for everybody. But but if if you're okay with it, gather together in groups, and then you can, you can do this how you, how you want. You could send one person to go to the station and to bring back the juice and the bread for all of you, or a few of you can go and then go back to where you were sitting, or gather in the aisle, or, or stand near the station if you want to. It doesn't matter. But you're going to just do communion yourself in little groups. You don't need me to lead you. How many know you don't need the pastor to lead you in order to remember Jesus' death. And so, you just gather in little groups, and, and if you want, one of you can pray a prayer of thanks, one of you can can uh, say, we remember, you can have a pause and a silent moment together, but just take it together, that's what you're going to do, and then while all of that is happening, there's going to be some scriptures going by on the screens, just, just for another thing to look at, if you want, you don't have to, but there's going to be scriptures going by that just remind us of the togetherness and of the community of the church, and then once we're done all of that, and our various groups have taken communion, our Worship team's going to come back, and they're going to start leading in worship quietly. And, and, and if you want to receive prayer, you can go back to any of those same stations, and the same leaders will pray with you. And then we're all going to end together in worship together. Turn to the person beside you and say, it's going to be okay. Okay? And and then, and then we'll close together, and then you're welcome to stay for lunch. So, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. Everybody just stand up right now. Okay, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. Okay, stand up, take a look around maybe, and then and then start moving into smaller groups or figure out who you want to connect with. And, and somebody go, even now, go get the juice, go get the bread or the whole group can and just move, move right out into the aisles. I promise it's going to be okay. And, and, and then take time in your own small groups. Remember Jesus' death. Maybe pray together if you want to. And just go ahead and take that together. Go ahead with the, the scriptures on the screen and the sound with that. That would be great. You guys just go right ahead with that.